Welcome to Telltale, the podcast where marketers can learn from interviews with fantastic storytellers. Hello everybody, welcome to Telltale episode 10. With me, as always, is Brittany Draghorn, our co-host. How are you, Britt? Good afternoon, Kurt. I'm fantastic. That's How good. Are you? Yeah, yeah, well, well, thank you very well. Today we have an exciting guest with us, Angela Hurst, the founder and director of Brisbane's first incubator for food entrepreneurs, Wandering Cooks. Angela, welcome to the Telltale Podcast. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Thank you for coming on. How's it going? How is this incredible space that we're sitting in going? Well, this actual space. I mean, this can that be my white lie? <laughs> You're like, it's beautiful, it's so clean, everything's great. For those playing at home, we're sitting in one of the little sort of back rooms at Wandering Cooks because outside is an absolute conundrum of, of noise and yeah. action and things. So, I mean, outside. Yeah, How so is outside, outside, going? outside is going um, like it, it often is on a Thursday. Uh, there's, there's, there's lots of noise, there's lots of people coming in and out, um, getting ready to do some food making, deliveries, we'll get knocks on the door, I'm pretty sure. It's 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 a chaotic day. Thursdays are chaotic. Right, Have right. Wandering cooks in probably a good way, mostly. What are they doing here, Angela? So, uh, we have at current count 98 different food makers that use our kitchens. They're all, um, they're all beginners in the food world. They are passionate about what they're doing and they're making food, trying to figure out how to make a living from their food. And they're trying out a whole lot of stuff and that's why they've come to us. Yeah, so sure. That's part of who's here. So Wandering Cooks is, you know, you've got shared kitchen spaces, amazing serving spaces, mm. you've got a great big outdoor area where mm. food trucks and all sorts of things can pull mm. in and do their thing. Are the entrepreneurs that you come across chefs or are they people who go, you know what, I just have this food idea and I'm going to come in and try and do it? Uh, probably maybe 30% of them are chefs or have had a, or had a cooking background. A lot, of, a lot of the people that start food businesses here have um, just a passion for cooking and they, they're looking for a food change. So they've either come from uh, a corporate job or they've... Um, you know, their their mum's looking for a a next career move. Yeah. You know, and they they would they they love the idea of having a future where they get to be making money from the thing that they love most. Yeah, sure. Yeah. sure. So we do have chefs. We co-opt them occasionally so that we can um, really uh, play to our heart's content with the the event side of things. So um, we, for instance, we're doing a fabulous um, event here soon with Tara Akimoto, who's the owner of um, Tara Ramen. Oh. He, um, <laughs> people he, love him yeah. and his ramen. He, come, he came to us two years ago and we hatched a plan for him to be able to um, become part of a series of stuff thing that we do here called The Great Unhatched, where you get to take an idea and expose it to the public. And he has certain ramen that he does in his stores, but he he wants to be able to um, experiment with new things. So he came to us with this idea of the Artisan Series. So we started um, the Artisan Series two years ago and we're finally going to get the second um, moment in the Artisan oh my Series. God. So the first one was Golden Shiro Ramen. signed up. <laughs> <laughs> it might be too late. It might have sold out. But... I am drooling on the microphone. 
truly. I love ramen. I love Taro's ramen. And yeah. for people who, this is a Brisbane podcast, for people who don't know Taro's ramen, there's two locations in the city, is that correct? I think, yeah, but yeah. you might have three places now, right. two in the city. Just check mm. it out. Anyway, back <laughs> to Wandering Cooks. So, um, yeah, chefs, um, yes, we, we do have some fun with um, some great chefs, but uh, yeah, it's largely people that are very quite, quite new to the food industry. Angela, this is a place where these people that you've been talking about can come to start or work on their food ideas. Mm -hmm. um, is this something that you came across because when you tried to enter the market you had these similar issues where there was a lot of big players and you needed a lot of money to get into that market? Or is this just something that you saw a problem for and wanted to fix? Uh, both. Yeah, so I was definitely one of these guys. I was. Um, I, I, I've got a background in food generally, but I've never managed to really run my own food business. And I got to a point where I thought, it's got to happen. It's got to be my own thing. And I started doing, doing, doing business and making food and making beautiful food, but basically paying people to eat it. Like, that's how bad I was right. at the business side of things. Right. And it was in that moment that I realized that actually business is a skill that you learn and that there's huge, there's all sorts of facets to it that a lot of people who start a business don't know. Like they just start it because they want to work for themselves. They don't start it because, you know, they've got a sense of it as this whole, whole new world of, um, of skills to develop. So I saw that I was missing a whole lot of skills and I started gaining those skills. And in the process, I realized that this is a phenomenon, that people who are passionate about food, they want their own food business, but they don't necessarily know how to do it. And I really wanted to give people an opportunity to make that leap themselves, to make that mistake, without going under in the process. So I, that's what's, re what's really important to me, is that people have a chance to have a great idea and, and try it out and fail and not to feel like that's the end. Because they wouldn't even yeah. have that opportunity if they had to go and hire their own space and get employees and do the yeah. fit out and all of that. Yeah. What are some of the other services that you offer here um, for, for these food entrepreneurs? Well, really, the one that we have been carving out for the last three and a half years is the one that people use um, the most formally, which is kitchens by the hour. So that's what those hundred food makers are doing. They're renting our kitchens by the hour. And we always had intentions of, um, of working up other resources for them. But I think because we are so new and we're very new, we, the business model we've been creating is entirely new. Um, it's taken us three and a half years to just get that right. Sure. And what I also realized is that although there are more formal resourcings that I would love to offer them, they've become really good at doing it themselves. So what we've done is we've created a place that that can happen. We have a private Facebook group. Um, that is, a, it's like a notice board for us. Um, it's got 140 different food businesses on it. They're all people that have been through our kitchens or are currently in them. And when people, you know, they're at that point, moment where they don't know what to do, they're like, I don't know, I understand labeling. I don't understand what packages I should use. I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing as far as delivery. Rather than feeling now like I need to know all that stuff and I need to direct that, I give them the clubhouse. And then the clubhouse gives back. Like it's such a beautiful resource. It took a while. I don't know exactly how come it happened, but 
when we started Wandering Cooks, people that we met and that came to us were quite protective with their ideas and with their knowledge, and now they're not. They really aren't. And people have figured out that if they share and collaborate and communicate, that everyone benefits from it. Yeah, that's, that's such a great point to make about not just the sharing economy or, you know, like the co-working economy, but even bigger businesses now are finding that exact same thing. They're sharing mm -hmm. research, sharing data, and they're growing in those ways. Mm -hmm. I love that it's basically the grassroots level that, mm -hmm. that you know, sowed that seed. Mm -hmm. um, what are a couple of the stories from the kitchen? What, who, who, are the, who are the people that work here? Tell us, tell us a few of um, you know, the delicious goings-ons. <laughs> uh, well, the one that's closest to my mind at the moment because she's just, she's just been working so, so hard. At her at her business is um, Tanya Cricker, who was who was talking to me before you came in, and Tanya Cricker runs um, a couple of businesses. One is called Indie Treats, and that's the one that she came to us with. She was working in Sydney already. She had an immensely popular product, which was her cookies um, and her granola, a beautiful brand and personality um, behind what she was doing, and. She started working, she's probably, feels like she's been here from the beginning. I think she might have been. And now she is also running something that she calls um, the Bee Club. And it's a collaboration with another one of our customers. So Apana um, runs a business called Nutsy. And Nutsy is a, 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 makes vegan products. And they've come together to make... Um, Bee Club products, which are a food service that she does here on a, on a Sunday morning, which is at base vegan, a vegan breakfast, where you can add on beautiful locally um, grown free-range eggs and um, pasture-reared bacon that she's cured herself. So you can add on other aspects, but it, it doesn't have to vegan. be vegan. You can un-vegan <laughs> yeah. it. You can un-vegan it. That's a good yeah, way to describe yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. So they've, that's come, that's happened because they know each other from here and they've created a new business together and so they do the breakfast and they she does a Thursday night um, bee bowl a, a, a bowl food that she makes um, and she is just she's she's just so resilient and flexible and creative and optimistic and she rolls with the punches and she skills up and yeah I think she's a really good example of the kind of food maker that is going to um, is going to find success. Everything that a risk enabler like Wandering Cooks wants from yes. someone. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting because I think a lot of people think of Wandering Cooks and think food trucks, but that's not oh, really the case I know. at all. Is I know. It? And one of the things we realised the other day is like, God, we've got to fix this. So we've got a, we've got a press release in process uh, <laughs> to tell the world we really aren't a food truck place. Yeah. So I think one of the reasons we're known as that is because right in the early days, um, when food trucks started to really develop here, uh, there was nowhere for them to park together on a regular basis. And so we saw that as a need that this, this burgeoning food culture required. And so we created the place, which was Thursday nights, Thank Truck It's Thursday. It was a night that generally there weren't going to be festivals or markets on, which would, were really the only place that they had access to. Um, and so, yeah, we created Thank Truck It's Thursday, and that was something that... Um, we did a lot of we, we did a lot of for 
two or three years, but they don't actually need us anymore. Like they've got heaps of places to park. Um, there's a whole new um, food truck pilot um, work that's been done by the Brisbane City Council that's opened up uh, a new licensing possibility for them. So we're not, yeah, it's like kind of, okay. It's not us. us. That's not us. <laughs> and what we really, what we've got now is these beautiful storefronts that are very new to our space. And so we're working much more on um, creating a method of being able to sell directly from the kitchens into the space mm -hmm. rather than expecting the, sure. the food to arrive on wheels. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. interesting you were talking about how you've been here for three and a half years and sort of it was about that long ago that the, the food trucks began. Mm. Um, I can't remember his name. B1 Third Honey? Oh, Jack. Jack yeah. from B1 Third yeah. Honey. I was at an event with him last year and he described the Brisbane food offering now mm. as rogue. And I thought that was great. Like, I thought yeah. that was such a fantastic idea. Yeah. And to be honest, it, it feels like it's about the three and a half year mark that this all began. Mm. Like, Brisbane started actually going, you know what, we've got this incredible food offering. Mm. Coming away from Wandering Cooks, stepping out into, let's talk about the southeast Queensland region mm. as a produce um, area and mm. as you guys and different um, other, other food creators, providers, creating this amazing food story for Brisbane... Mm. Is the rogue tag correct for Brisbane? And what do you think Brisbane's food story is? Because, you know, Melbourne, you think food. Sydney, you think food. Brisbane, you don't always think food. But we, mm. we're, we're close, right? I, I think... I think that... Um, it's funny that Jack says that because um, Jack and I were sitting at a round table discussion together that was put on by Australian tourism, tourism Australia, about this, and he and I were pushing that. Right. That the thing that they were looking for, this, um, this, uh, the thing that as Queensland, uh, that Tourism Australia was looking for, like this identity of Brisbane, they would find in the, the, the world that's, the glossy world that, um, PR agencies and, and the, the newsletters put out there you know that's that's the, like the access they had but what Jack and I see because of the work the work that we do is that rogue element and I don't know if there's more of that in Brisbane than anywhere else but definitely it's the part that I think is interesting you know it's the part where I feel like possibilities exist yeah you know yeah. and it's the it's the bit that I want to encourage and yeah, clearly Jack is, you know, one of the success stories. He's a success story and he's yeah, he's a rogue. And he's a rogue, yeah. He's a rogue. I think you're I think you're hundred percent right. I love the idea that you say it's interesting because that's the thing that will give you an identity rather mm. than going, Oh yeah, you know, we're just like some five star or three chef hat restaurant in, in Sydney or whatever. Like mm. I don't find that interesting one bit. Mm. But the idea that, you know, there's honey on rooftops in mm. Brisbane and we've got wandering cooks hidden here mm. and and you run these incredible events mm. which must just be fantastic for your awareness stage of your marketing mm. I suppose um, maybe tell us a bit more about the events that go on here as well well we we were always event-based until the beginning of this year um, when finally partly partly we were event-based because we had to be because what we came into was uh, an area of Brisbane um, that when we arrived was just 
warehouses and kind of industry and blocks being sold off to developers. And then within six months, it was a construction zone. So for the first two and a half years of our existence, we were surrounded by jackhammering and 20-story buildings going up, like literally three metres away from us, 20 storeys going up. We completely lost access to pedestrian traffic. We lost our lane, you know, and we basically were looking for ways to just, you know, keep our head above water for until mm. it ended, mm. right? Which sure. was in January, it ended. Mm. So we had to be event-based because otherwise no one, no one would ever know we existed. So yeah. we were constantly thinking up ways to bring people here. Because the other thing that I learned very early on in making Wandering Cooks is that my, my, my ideas about what was going to earn it money, the way that it was going to be a business, was wrong. It wasn't. So I needed to pivot the business and find ways that it could continue to exist because it wasn't going to exist in the way that I imagined. What was that light bulb moment like? Going, oh God. I was saying, it's funny, I was saying that to one of our, one of our customer who's, customers who's left now and she started her in place. She came in this morning and I could feel her anxiety. Like she's been, she's been going for a year and I was like, I was remembering just that if, if, I, if I knew how terrifying it would feel starting this business and how long that terror would go on, I don't think I would have done it. There's no way. Like I just, it was horrible. Yeah, <laughs> it was sure. horrible. It was The horrible. fear of the unknown or just everything you had to do every day? The, the, the constant, constant feeling that, that my loss of money was out of control and that I was, I was, it was a free fall. It was a free fall. And then what happened? <laughs> and then and what then, happened? And then the yeah. parachute opened. Yeah. And there was no parachute. <laughs> and the parachute never arrived. And really, when you're in a free fall like that, it's really about kind of dodging the cliff faces and, and trying to just keep falling until it's not falling, until it's kind of maybe floating, and maybe it's floating, and maybe there's a parachute, but it's not quite a parachute, and is it, you know, like, I don't know. I'm still there. Yeah, right. right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, just, it's, it's... I'm sitting here going, so, did you start flapping your arms or something? <laughs> yes, 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 I did, yeah. I did. So I think, um, I think, yeah, I learned that what a lot of people learn that have taken huge amounts of risk, um, that you just, you have to keep going because there is no other option and you have to find ways of, of finding the possibility and finding the, the roads out and into um, new zones. And I, that's just constantly what I was doing. And what I realized I needed to do, partly because of my personality, um, is to be really honest about it. <laughs> And in being honest about it, I attracted a different kind of energy to the space. I think people saw it, saw us and me um, as not competition, but as someone who was real somehow. Yeah, and desperately, desperately real. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and so, you know, we had incredible collaborations in the early days, event-wise, if we get back to that. Yeah. Like working... <clears throat> One of our new ideas, we were constantly coming up with new ideas, constantly doing things. So we started a trade show for 
um, small batch producers and um, and then we created this event called Snackdown. And Snackdown was um, really started as a collaboration between us and Ben Devlin. And Ben Devlin was, you know, young chef of the year in 2000 and something or other, whenever it was, 14, 15. The, um, one of the, the, the head chef of Esquire. And now he's down at Paper Daisy down, down the coast. But in between, he was doing this gorgeous um, pop-up uh, bakery called Beer Curry which was um, using um, beer byproducts and craft beer um, makers and collaborating with them on pastries and beautiful macaron and, um, and I'm drooling for the second time. <laughs> it was amazing. So we, we, he, he was doing this pop-up and then we started doing, he started baking here to do the pop-up and then we were like, let's do this thing and let's call it Snackdown. It's going to be like this competition where, where people get to like come and cook things that they wouldn't normally cook. So we had... Um, you know, Ben initially would just create these wild menus and he would compete against himself. So he would, he, he'd name them after sort of country warriors. So he had like um, the, um, I can't remember, the, no, I can't give you that example because I can't remember what they're called. Peruvians have a particular type of warrior. So he would, he would match the samurais, like Japanese cuisine against, it's one of the early ones. Um, <laughs> Oh, another, another, another cuisine. Anyway, he so he'd make two entirely different menus from entirely different cuisines, and then he'd he'd pull it off on one night on a Friday night, and then people would have to vote for their favorite cuisine, and then that cuisine would go on to the next week, and um, and compete against another cuisine. So he's doing these entirely different things every Friday night. What a great food story, though. Yeah. Especially for a guy like that, like yeah. just super talented. And I don't know why did he come in here and do that with us. I don't know. Maybe it's because I I don't know. It's because, it's because Wandering Cooks inspires that kind of storytelling, I yeah. think, you know, through food or through whatever it is that you do. So, um, we are running out of time, but one comment I did want to make before we get to our fantastic Little White Lie segment, which Angela is shaking about. <laughs> I can see her in her boots. Um, is it true that Wandering Cooks is now, if not the biggest, one of the biggest cooking, co-working spaces in the world? Is yes. that true? Yeah. yeah. So, I only realised that because... Um, I had to start doing some research on it because I was invited to speak about Wandering Cooks at Harvard and I was like, oh, Fancy. why would they, yeah. what, how do we, oh. and I, start, I found this report in the States that's done um, in the States about food, um, kitchen incubation in the States and I went through their numbers and they were talking about the number of um, food makers that are supported by kitchen incubators, there's 150 of them in the States um, and the highest level that they were, they were, the, the highest ranking of, of, of kitchen incubators was um, people that supported like 50 food makers or more. And it was like 2% of the incubators in the States. And we, mm. we support, at the moment, actively, 98 food makers in the kitchen. Sure. So we're like, damn. What an amazing story. Winning by 100%. But I love how it's so organic. Like, you didn't even know. Like, you didn't know. No. But that is an amazing achievement. Mm. Amazing. Mm, thank you. Do you have something else that's amazing to tell us, like the biggest white lie you've <laughs> ever told? Okay, so no, no, I don't. I don't have a white lie for you. I, I think, I think the thing that's floating around in my head, and I haven't formulated it, is that I think I am sometimes a little bit of a liar when it comes to um, my relationships to baristas. 
Okay. Because I, I think that sometimes I pretend that I'm... Sorry. I just need to get my phone. Oh, I've been walking <laughs> around. So is this time Hello, Hello. We were talking about you previously. We were. Oh, you have a microphone. Yes. Yeah, you're doing a podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's a podcast. <laughs> we can sing on a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I was surprised that didn't happen earlier. Yes. Come in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that maybe I pretend I'm more monogamous than I am to particular cat families. Oh, of course. You know? And you know what? Myself around They're a bit weird more. about that. I went into a cafe this morning, which I haven't been to for ages, and they overheard me say, oh, yeah, I come into the, the city for meetings often. And they're like, oh, well, make sure you come back here. And I was like, don't put that pressure on me. There's many cafes. <laughs> but I get it. Like, uh, there was a bloke uh, where we, we worked together in the city previously, and I was in there yesterday, and I walked in past this cafe, and he's like, Kurt, just the usual? And I was just like, <laughs> no. oh, okay. Not this time, sorry, Barry. <laughs> but, saying that, uh, Angela Hurst of Wandering Cooks holds weight in the food scene, so being... You know, monogamous you for, for coffee. Yeah. You need to taste all the coffee and make yeah. sure that it's great. You need to taste all the coffee. <laughs> sure. Look, it's not a bad white lie. We'll give you that one. Thank you. That's okay. And thank with you. that, thank you so much for no, coming on the pleasure. Telltale Podcast. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Brittany, co-host every week. Thank you very much. <laughs> and remember, people, if you've got a tale to tell, tell it. Telltale is part of the Content Division Podcast Network. You can subscribe on iTunes or stream it from the contentdivision.com.au forward slash podcast. Then you won't.